on a podcast, man. Oh, yeah? Where do you listen to it? Near the beach. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. We are like brotherhood without the banners. Yuri, dude, what, what are you doing, man? I'm sorry, I, I just like to play, you know. Sometimes... Yuri, get back in your cage. Sorry, guys. Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Connecting you to ideas, people, and tools to help you make an independent living doing something that you care about without burning out. Okay, sorry about Yuri. Sometimes he gets out. Uh, your hosts are... Corbett Barr, if we were the band Queen, Corbett would be Roger Taylor, hardworking backbone of the team, holding it all together. Me, Chase Reeves, I'd be Freddie Mercury, the flamboyant front man. And Caleb Wojcik, he'd be Brian May, the quiet one, who never really gets enough airtime, probably has a PhD in astrophysics, and is very, very wise. That one sent in by Emma Davies, who's uh, who's working hard on her Just Ship It 30-Day Challenge. Thanks, Emma. Uh, on today's show, we answer a handful of questions from listeners, tackling subjects like finding your focus, sticking to your voice after you found it, and making your product before building an audience, and vice versa. I've got a handful of things to tell you about afterwards, so I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Let's get into it. All right, Caleb, you got a, uh, you got a question for us here? Yeah, so we have a question here from Jeff Chalmers, who's uh, one of our star fizzlers. Let's take a listen. Hi, my name's Jeff Chalmers, and my question relates to a new website I'm currently building. It's a music education business, and I'm using my own YouTube video lessons to build traffic and grow a mailing list. I'm planning to generate income by selling study materials for these lessons and related content such as ebooks and further courses. So my question today is, should I have the sales part of my website functioning at the launch, or should I put more effort into growing my audience and mailing list at the start and then try to sell later? Um, I'm slightly concerned that without any store at the launch, the message about what the site is may be less focused, and it maybe would be harder to sell to people later. And I'm also using a toolbox-style offer for subscribers, which may be more effective if they saw similar content in the store. So any help with this would be really appreciated, and I'm loving the podcast, guys. Thanks a lot. Jeff can call anytime he wants. He's loving the podcast. (laughs) I think you mean he's slapping the bass, man. (laughs) (laughs) That was your worst (laughs) attempt ever. I knew I wouldn't oh. be able to do that kind of classy English. God, I know. So Damn. I didn't even try. <laughs> Slapping the bass. <laughs> He's loving the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're loving the podcast, man. Oh, yeah? Where do you listen to it? Near the beach. <laughs> All right. What I love about Jeff's question <laughs> is it seems like he's trying to make a good site. <laughs> Just give it a second. It'll turn into Irish. We'll be right there in a second. <laughs> so, yeah, can you g- give me the gist of this? So, uh, well, first of all, Jeff, we're, we're a day late and a dollar short. He's already launched his website. It's beautiful. We'll put it in, in the show notes. What, Kayla, what's the uh, URL to it again? DiscoverDoubleBase. Uh, DiscoverDoubleBase.com. Slapping the double base. He did a great job. <laughs> Tom Ross. I, I love th- this story. We did some uh, on one of our Fizzle Fridays. You should know, inside of uh, Fizzle, every Friday, we do a Fizzle Friday thing, which is just like we all kind of turn on an online hangout, and, and whoever can make it, 
we kind of chat and talk business and see what people are struggling with and all this other stuff. And uh, one of these, we uh, we talked with Jeff and Tom Ross and a handful of other fizzlers like Vasone and all these guys who who were. It's just such a cool story. Jeff, within Fizzle, met all of these people who helped him put his whole site together. Yeah. And I just love that. It's just, it's a real, like, little house on the prairie kind of story. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. So It takes a village. (laughs) It takes a village, you guys. But, uh, so his question is, it it sounded like what he he was really asking was, uh, hey, I, I don't know if I need to have stuff to sell up front. If I don't... Is that going to make it harder for me to sell to uh, later? Got it, got it. And I, I make a quick answer. I was like, absolutely not. He doesn't. Yeah, he launched without having stuff to sell yet. Got it. And um, so clearly, it's not. You know, he's doing. He's doing fine. Uh, in terms of like, he's made a site that people yeah. are coming to and doing yep. the thing. He's teaching them how to play double bass. And so, absolutely not. Is that going to hurt you later on? Would it have made a difference if you had something to sell already? Well, maybe you would. Ha- you'd be experiencing that like you got the first email on the first sale sort of thing, and you'd yeah. be like. Oh my God! By the way, I, I don't know if you guys heard this, but recently uh, Jeff was actually hired by another Fizzler, like sort of permanently. Yeah, he's still working on his own site and everything, yeah. but um, he is now uh, full time working with Scott from Scott's Base yeah. Lessons. Yeah, which is it's just cool. Like, and he's been seen. working for Scott for he's been doing stuff with him yeah, for a while. And, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, my take would be that. Partly this comes down to time management issue because if you don't launch with your products, yeah. after you launch, you have to like consider that there's just going to be a lot more time and maintenance and upkeep and distractions mm-hmm. because now you have a, a you know a site in production, you have to keep it updated, you have people that are writing you, all this kind of stuff. So keep that in mind. My preference is usually that by the time you launch your your platform, whatever that is, that you have a good handle on what it is that you're going to work on for your first product, mm-hmm. whether that be an outline or maybe you've actually started producing some of it, just so that you have some momentum towards building that product. Yeah. Because I see a lot of people put all of their eggs into the basket of, I'm going to grow this massive audience and then I'm going to worry about what to do later. But if you're bootstrapping, you don't have other people working with you, it's just really easy to get bogged down by the day-to-day maintenance of running a site and then kind of run out of steam when it comes to producing your first product. So, um, you know, just just realize that, you know, yeah. put that in the back of your mind and, yeah. and keep it there so that you... And at the same time, though, he, launching it without the product means he could launch it quicker and start yep. building the audience sooner. Yep. Um, uh it's it's a hard question. It's chicken or the egg in some ways, right? We always say you gotta you want to make the product. Uh, you want to be able to sell your thing into an audience, yeah. and really, the audience over the long haul is what is what all your sex, success is going to come from. Come from, you know what I mean? Yeah. Meaning, you can have a million products and no audience. You yeah. just worked forever, have a ton of products, and not, nobody to sell them to. Yeah, exactly. And so the you- goal is really to have not just not just people that you have their email addresses that you can send an email to. It's like people who are engaged, who dig you, yeah. who, who, are, who are served by what you, you serve them directly. And know you and yeah. you know, trust, trust you. you. Exactly. And if nothing so else, if you, I was going to say, go ahead and name what your product's going to be branded a little bit and say, hey, it's coming out in this state. I'm working on it. I'm finishing it up. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, launch it a few months yeah. from then. So you know the the benefit of waiting is that you really get to refine your product based on the audience that you're getting to know over time, which is yeah. no small thing. We we stress that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't have any problem with the way that that he proceeded and you know basically launched this. What's interesting first. is as you can hear in that like he, this is a real honest question from him. Yeah, he would not have that question today. 
No, I think because he knows that it's just fine the yeah. way that he did it. But it's interesting the things that you end up stressing out about when you're in the making yeah. mode, you know, when you're planning and thinking things through. Realize, dear listener, that thing you're struggling about, if you haven't like launched the thing yet, or if you haven't done the thing, if you're still planning on, if you're in planning mode and doing some strategies and blue sky solutioneering and all this other stuff, that thing you're stressing out about, you're going to look back on it and be like, I don't even remember thinking about yeah. that. You know, now he he asked if um, if by not launching with the product, if that's going to make it harder to sell a product later. In general, no. Um, there are cases where if you build your audience around this like vibe or this like you know group mantra that selling things is yeah. evil and mm-hmm. that everything should be yeah, free. You, you don't like a that. lot of bloggers in the early days, because blogging was no, this sort it was of alternative. Right? It was this community yeah. kind of situation. Um, just the, the general energy there was that you shouldn't sell things on a blog because it's meant to be, but that, that was like 10 years ago. So now it's very common to be able to sell things on blog. So just don't, just don't, um, you know, get everybody to rally around this idea that everything in the world should be free, you know, um, and you should be fine. Yeah. I like it. Well, Jeff, thanks for the question. Caleb, anything to add there? No, not really. Just say that you have a product coming if you don't have one ready and, get people amped up about it and share the behind the scenes for a couple months and you'll be fine. Yeah. And ask for their feedback. Yeah. That feedback is so, is so valuable. All right, Jeff, thanks for the question, man. Thanks, Jeff, all the best with uh discover double Uh, just, you know, if you want to call and ask more questions, I'll play them on the air because you sound awesome. He's loving the podcast. <laughs> Have you seen family tree? The yeah. HBO one? <laughs> He's loving the podcast. He's the loving, he's loving the podcast. Monkey. <laughs> you do that so good. Do it again. He's loving the podcast. <laughs> All right, Caleb, you got another one for us here we can get into? Okay, so we have one here from Kiri. Let's take a listen. Hey, guys, it's Kiri from ilikethatlamp.com. My business is all about showing people how to make their own lamps and lampshades, and I developed um, some DIY kits that let them do that as well. My conundrum is around turning pro. So my business is up and running. Things are going pretty well. I'm fortunate enough to have my husband helping me with that, and I also have a full-time job as well. I just recently finished Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art and I really want to go pro with my business, but I also really love my corporate job. I help small to medium-sized businesses with their banking and finance needs and I really find it's also helping me um, develop my business development skills. So my question is really around, can I have my corporate cake and eat it too? Or should I be considering um, putting together some kind of timeline to when I can quit my job and go at this full time? I just love both things that I do and I don't really want to give either of them up, but I am concerned that at some point I'm going to lose focus and energy. Thanks for everything that you do. Bye. I love that. Thank you, Kiri, for your question. So it sounds like I didn't know. I, I didn't know that Kiri was from down under. Uh, don't. I think she's a Kiwi, and yeah, I, think I just, she'd fight me no, if I mean, she was Aussie, right? No, but yeah, well, down under doesn't that kind of count for both? I don't know, but I just know that it's not right to guess on these things. I'm not guessing. There are serious. <laughs> That's true. She she could be South African, and then she could be really offended. 
Dude, South African. What a hard accent to that do. Is, that's a tough one. Uh, so Ki- Leo, Leo in Blood Diamond. Oh, mm. I can't even He's imagine so good at how that. he did that. I know. He had a voice actor. I am a tra- I am, <laughs> he had a voice trainer. I am a va- I am a traditional voice actor. Um, so Kiri's so awesome. I love I love that uh, she. Is I love the, lamp. She is in the lamp business, which is cool. And she's a, are you she, just pointing at things in, in the room and saying <laughs> that I like you lamp. love? I love carpet. <laughs> yeah, Brick stabbed a guy with a trident. You should probably lay low for a while. So this is this is great because I love when we get these examples. These are Fizzle members. Kiri's yeah. a Fizzler, and uh, she's in the lamp business. She's not in the I will teach you to have passion in your life and travel the world and start online business. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. So and it's literally her site is teaching people how to design and make their own lamps. DIY, right? DIY lamps, and it sounds like Caleb. Correct me if I'm wrong. What I'm hearing is I like doing this. I want to turn pro on it. However. I really like my day job, my my corporate job. Yeah, I think it's almost two parts there. I think those are kind of separate. Yeah, she's kind of asking, like, can she go pro and keep her corporate job? That's what it seems like. Is this a zero-sum game? Can I have my corporate gig and eat my cake, too? Can I I gig my corporate cake and fork my lamp as well? Uh, I think that's the title of this episode. I think... I think we answered her question. Thanks, Gary, for your question. <laughs> um, so, you know what? One of my favorite, my favorite, favorite, favorite Fizzle Show shticks is is when we were doing the, being the click and clack guys. And we've a lot only, of people like that. We one. only pulled it out once. I think it's the funniest. You're really thing. good at that. I think it's the funniest thing we've ever done. All of us you together mean by it makes, us. You it mean makes you? So no, all of us together. Sort of. I don't know. For some reason, it just felt like all of us. Whatever. But but <laughs> voices in your head. I I think about it all the time, and I yeah. stop myself while we're recording. Yeah. I stop myself from like just trying to go into it because I don't know where it'll go. But I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I don't know why. It's good when you crack yourself it's, up. I just thought it was great. We'll do I, it again. Let's do a whole episode. <laughs> but it was. I was just thinking because like, immediately we just start. We just start talking to some like. It's all right. So tell me about the no, 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 no. So it's a geo metro. You know what reminds me? Geo is Spanish for world, right? Well, I don't know if you've ever had Spanish tacos, but those are the best tacos I've ever had. No, no, bar none. Bar none, the best tacos I've ever had. So, anyways, Gary, tell me about your geo. <laughs> And it, we just did that same thing where we're just like talking some weird stuff. Yeah. Come back to Kiri. Love Anyways, it. Anyways. I love it. Uh, Kiri, first of all, I hope that K- Corbett didn't, uh, you know, offend you with his down under reference. Please do uh, confirm whether uh, you are. You know, the, the, their maps are turned upside down down there, right? I don't. I, again, I have no comment. All I know is I know, I know pe- people who. I know a handful of very strong. To them, New, New Zealand at the top of the world. Apparently, the word sex. It, how they pronounce sex is the way you tell between a, a Kiwi and an Aussie. It's six or sex, I think. Huh. But I don't know which one's which. Six, are you sure it's not six? These fabulous quotes. These fabulous six. <laughs> six? These life hacks and more coming to you from the Fizzle Show. <laughs> um, so, okay, let's do get to her question here. Is it a zero-sum game? First of all, let's talk about that one. Is it a zero-sum game between uh, your, your, uh, your, your blog and your day job. In order to turn pro on your blog, do you have to quit your day job? Corbett, go. Well, let's ask this question. Do any of us know anyone who has a successful corporate 
career mm. and runs a successful side business no, at the same time. I don't. I have. I, I know. I think there are people who have moderately successful. Uh, but the, that business is not where they want it to be. No, nobody we know like is has. There big, is one. There is one person, who? a good friend of ours, Brett Kelly. I was just going to say, yeah. dude, great, 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 great. Has, yeah. He has a, a very you know uh, busy, fulfilling corporate gig and a side business. Now the trouble is that his side business is very related to his corporate gig. Yeah, it's, it's a, basically it's one in the same. A, there's yeah. an overlap there. So, so it's a good question. This is a hard thing, Kiri, because to me the question is, what do you want? And I think it's the hardest question any of us will ever answer. Um, and you're sit, you have to sit there in the, you're the only one that gets to make that decision, right? You're the only one that gets to answer that question. What do you want? Do you want to uh, do the independent uh, feast famine sort of make this thing, do that, do it on my own independently thing? Or uh, are you so invested in your, I, I, th- I wish more people felt more comfortable at corporate gigs. What corporate gig? Let's talk about that. No, not corporate. What I mean is, I wish more people had better experiences working for good companies. I love to hear from her saying, "Yeah, I really love my yeah, company. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I really love it. You know, I think companies like Google and and like if I, I had to, this is an interesting question for for our listeners to ask themselves, for for us to ask ourselves. I remember uh, before we started partnering on stuff when uh, when. I was kind of thinking about like, where would I want to do for the rest of my life? When that started to be like more and more of a, of a question, I asked myself like, what, what, if I could work for any company, who, who would it be? Who do I think is doing interesting work in the world? And I, I settled on audio. I think that, that, uh, the problem of digital distribution of creative content like music and, and the experience video, of listening to it, the experience of listening to it fascinating to me of yeah. course it helped that like wilson minor a guy that i really admire as a designer was there at the time so I, that's what put them on the radar as a company to me rather than just something i bought over uh-huh. here right um but i liked that problem and i could go all in on solving that because i could never do that by myself i could never build that company by myself right i am very entrepreneurial but we all we all are entrepreneurial whatever that means and we all can be so invested in the solution of a of a problem that we work with others to do it right so it's not about independence or not we're talking obviously clearly here on the fizzle show to people who are trying to build their own thing trying to support their family independently and do all that stuff because it's insanely exciting and invigorating and and horrible and all of the things that it is so first of all can we realize that you have that's an awesome story that's an awesome asset do you have safety and security in that? Uh, maybe, maybe less than your own thing. Maybe you can have a sort of a, a gentle flowing success with with the uh, with your site, and it never ends up getting super big. But it's always kind of there, and it's always a, a, an outlet for you, an enriching part of your life, and, and a thing like that. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Right? Is that turning pro? I don't know. Turning pro is not about revenue or traffic or anything like that for me. Um, but it is about taking your craft insanely seriously. And I love the, I mean, turning pro is about an artist saying, here's the process that I'm going all in on. And I do this every single day. I do it every single day. You know, that's what turning pro is about. It's about your daily routine and your, and your inner conviction about stuff. And Caleb, you wrote an awesome post about, uh, about turning pro on think traffic, which we'll put in, in show notes here. Um, so that would be my that would be my take. First of all, the biggest question is uh, first of all, realize you're having a good corporate gig. Awesome, 
Good for you. That's a rare thing, and you should celebrate it, and, and, and it's awesome. Is it going to be there forever for you? I don't know. It's, it's not more secure than your own thing, probably. That's one of the things that we're all learning. No, but it probably pays better right, right now. Probably so part of her question right might be wrapped up in this, in this idea of maybe eventually she does want to go pro with her lamp business, her mm-hmm. DIY lamp business, and maybe she's just having some hesitation because she knows that it's a deep, deep dark, uh, like, yeah. you know, abyss of not knowing when it's going to pay the bills. And if I was smart, I'd be like, what's the market, what's the potential market size of a DIY lamp vlog? I don't know. It's probably way bigger than our market size. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, so if, if the question is really, can I keep my corporate job while I'm transitioning to going yes. pro? Yeah, of course. People do that all the time. And, it's, yeah. and for a lot of people, it's the smart answer because you don't have that stress of, um, making your thing work and making decisions that are based on the stress instead of what you should really be doing. So yeah, you can do that. Um, if the question is, can I go pro on my thing and stay pro in my corporate job forever? That's a that's a tougher thing because yeah. we don't know uh, of a whole lot of people who do that. And what I would say was that if you want to go pro, it's more mindset. It's less what you do at the beginning. Eventually, it's what you do that differentiates whether or not you went pro or not. But the beginning, it's just mindset. It's would a pro do this or would an amateur do this? And if you can just sit down and just look at your website, look at everything you do in your business, everything you offer, everything you write about, and just say, is this pro? Does this look pro? Does this feel pro? Is someone going to come to this and be like, oh, a pro did this? Then once you start thinking that way, it's really hard to go back to doing things half-ass or half-heartedly. So... Mm, yeah. And it's a, that's a great question. Like, what does it really mean to turn pro, you know, to, to be pro about your business? We're talking, we're just making up some word. We're stealing it from Stephen Pressfield and read, read war of art. It's about doing your thing. If it's about making better lamps or teaching better, uh, people, how teaching people, how to, to make their own lamps better then then take that very, very seriously, right? That's what it's about. It's about looking at your craft and taking it really, really serious, your art. And taking it seriously, and it's a journey of it coming into your into your innards and and becoming a conviction, becoming a reality. But um, so, in terms of what it, what it means to turn pro, it is also a little bit amb- ambiguous in the in your situation. Are you having a blast with it? Do you like it? Those are all good things to to think about. And, and then and then, if you had to choose between the two, what would you choose? And in your in your wildest dreams, like you know, if you're already making money and doing the thing, that makes that obviously changes things. If you're not making any money, but you have great traffic, like that's a whole other ball game. Yeah, and uh, you know, the other thing is turning pro. You shouldn't take that decision lightly because it changes your relationship with your thing. You know, it goes from being a mistress to being a spouse. Yeah, and um, spouses are just. And that and that change, that changes things. It doesn't mean that you don't want that, but um, you know, it's uh, you can, in some ways, like damage the relationship you have with your thing yeah. by taking it. You know, there's a great the Alan Watts quote on on that that I'll that I'll put in show notes. Good. Um, that's see what I did there. That's a that's a turning pro tactic. That was like a, a non sequitur. A sec. Uh, no, 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 it was a sequitur. It was a sequitur. Yeah. It was a sequitur. I think it was a sequitur. It was a, I'm a quitter. This is a seg- segue. <laughs> so, so Kiri, thank you for your, your question. Loved it. Uh, hope, wish you all the best. Call us. Let us know again how, how things are going. Maybe clarify the question more and more. Um, call us. Call, call me. <laughs> let's, uh, let's have another question. Okay. Here's one from Canada. 
not from like the whole country, but it's from Jackie Johnstone. <laughs> Canada is asking us a question. Yeah, Canada is asking us a question. So Jackie says there are a ton of moving parts as a business owner, and if I'm not careful, I jump from task to task and end the day feeling like I didn't get much accomplished. How do you guys stay focused on the stuff that really matters? What is the single biggest productivity slash effectiveness habit or tool you find that works for you? Thank you, Canada. Thank you, Canada. Gosh, well, Corbett, Corbett, what's your first answer? So this is uh, this is related to the episode we did on uh, planning, long range planning, right, and short range planning. I mean, for me personally, I know that it's hard for me to stay focused on getting a lot of tasks done when I don't have a handle on what the bigger picture is and what I'm trying to get done you know, on a longer term basis. So I kind of have to do a little bit of both. Like Chase taught in the productivity course, the um, the CEO mode versus the worker bee mode. When you're an entrepreneur, you have to do both of those jobs. You have to be the CEO and you have to think about why does my business exist? Who am I serving? What am I trying to accomplish over the next year? And then when you're worker bee, you have to, you know, take the tasks and have faith that what you set out as the CEO when you were in CEO mode, that, um, you know, that that logic holds true so that you can just get tasks done. Because otherwise, you find yourself in this constant game of questioning, you know, every day the big picture. And you can't be in that mode every day, or that's when you kind of get stuck in that rut of, you know, not knowing what you should work on or whether or not working on that thing is right right now, you kind of have to, um, you know, just uh, say, okay, I'm going to set forth on this this path for the next two weeks because my CEO, which is really yourself, said that these are the things that I need to get done over the next two weeks. And then when you're done with that, that's when you kind of come back to actually reviewing the things um, and deciding what the next two weeks should be. Yeah, it's this constant sense of revision stuff that that I think is that that's what's tough about it is like you can you can say here are the things to focus on and here is the future and then you go to, to work and you lose sight of that and you kind of need to be able to come back up and say like oh I'm not doing what I said I would, was going to do and so that, that CEO and worker bee you know, they kind of have to come back and bounce off of one another they live in tension with one another but that's important that they kind of they inform each other. You know, there's the worker bee gets to say, hey, we can never finish that in this amount of time. You know, and, and the CEO has to say, has to adjust the plans then or something like that, right? Um, I don't want to get too crazy with the metaphor, but, um, you know, the single greatest tip for me ends up being, you know, the one that everybody says, which is before you leave work, write down the first task you're going to do the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, really, it is great. Um, that's, I mean, in terms of if you're in the mode where you're trying to get a lot done and there's a lot of random, you know, caps to screw on bottles everywhere, well, then you just got to let me know which caps to screw on bottles. So you just, it's a way of saying, you know, that, that, that writing things down at the end of the day, you're in, you're in a, a good spot to be a good CEO at the end of the day. In the beginning of the day, you feel like there's enough time for anything and we'll just see what happens and I'll check some email and oh, look at this. I was comment, someone commented on my Facebook post and then oh, look at this. You know, it's really easy to feel like that in the beginning of the day. But in the end of the day, you're like, gosh, dang it. I wish I would have gotten more done. Make sure that I do this first thing in the morning before I do anything else in the, tomorrow. Um, so you're in a good spot for that. And that's, that's what my, I guess my tip would be. Uh, but again, that doesn't, that's different than um, than in some I don't know. 
when you're writing things a lot, when you're making videos or blog posts or doing all sorts of other stuff, there's a whole other slew of tips that I would get into, like being able to capture ideas exactly when you have them and throw them straight into a place that you're going to find them when you need them. You know, the David, uh, whatever, what's his name thing? Why can't I remember David's Alan. name? Uh, David Allen. That's a weird brain fart. That's a, that's a weird brain fart. So the David Allen thing, uh, getting things done, got to be able to capture things right when you have them. Put them in a trusted system so your brain actually trusts you'll find it when you need it. And that way you can forget about it and get back to work on the things that matter right now. So, um, but again, you know, like, like Merlin Mann always talks about on Back to Work, uh, there's no such thing as a priority. Either a thing is a priority or it isn't. Either it's something that matters or it doesn't, you know? Uh, and, and the challenge is when you open yourself up to, there's all of these things I want to do. I have to choose which order to put them in, sort of. I have to priority order these things. Um, then what you're doing is you're trying really hard to, to make things that aren't essential get done. Um, like, for instance, like, I have to eat lunch or I have to feed my kid. You know, those are, that's not a priority. That doesn't go on a, on a to-do list. Mm-hmm. These are just things that, that these are have to get done. So, so of course they have, but that is a priority in some ways, I guess. I don't know. I'm confusing myself now, but the point being, these <laughs> this things that you're folks. not, yes. <laughs> the thing is, these things that you're not focusing on, the question is like, maybe you don't care about them. That's a, that's an honest question. Do you care about them? Uh, are they important? Um, are there things that you find yourself doing that maybe you haven't decided to focus on, but you're kind of pulled that way instead? Maybe the, maybe there's something there you should be focusing on. Um, but I, I mean that that that's all like kind of you know ethereal to what we really know happens to all of us is is that it's hard to stay on task when you're your own boss. It just is. Um, and so the best thing you can do is try to focus and dedicate as much as possible. But I kind of think I don't know what you guys think of this. I kind of feel like. Focus is not something you can try to do. Focus is something you get after a certain amount of work. Um, and, and it wasn't until I actually got to a place of focus that I couldn't take any credit for having that focus. It was just enough, you know, crises and feel and pain and pressure and and heat on the seat, so to speak. Wow, that's a lot of eats. Um, <laughs> so dumb right now. I'm so dumb right now. But uh, but. It wasn't until I had that much pressure and crisis and existential stuff going on that I realized this is what I have to focus on. This is what life is about. And then I went for it. And that's what, that's what I needed to get to focus. Some people are able to just like write the list out, do the things, and then every day they say the mantra and they do the stuff. So however you can get to that level of focus so that you stop working on the other stuff and only do these things that matter, that's what, that's what you got to do. And for a lot of people, that's simply at the end of the day, writing down the first two things you want to do the next day. I'm throwing the mic. Boom. So mine would be similar Boom. to that, but I always do it in the morning. I, I'm in, much, in a much better mindset to just start in the morning and do the CEO mode stuff. So I go yeah. check everything, like five minutes, make sure there's no fires. And then I open up OmniFocus and I open up Asana and I look and see what I need to do today. And I push stuff to other days that I can't necessarily get done today. And then I pick one to three things that if I only get those things done, the day's a success. And then I always start with one of those. And Mm -hmm. the rest of the stuff, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, who cares? But, you know, one thing you said to me, Corbett, one time was 
if you make something that you publish on a day or you create something that's going to last for a long time and you ship something, like it's been a good day. Like even uh-huh. if you yeah. spent four hours setting up and tearing down to do a 30 minute like video interview with someone, if you spent all this time to make something that someone's going to watch and people are going to watch and learn from and maybe pay you for, then, you know, it was a good day. So really just focus on yeah. creating things that other people see at least once a day. And if you just do that 300 plus days a year, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Do my tweets count? Uh, I wouldn't say that's a critical thing that makes your day a success, whether you tweet my, or not. My tweets, my tweets are pretty successful. Your tweets too, are so. pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Were you fishing right, for I a compliment gets, there? Yeah, I kind of am. I think that gets to the question, so hopefully uh, Canada, that that, uh, that feels good to you. Hey, By Can- the way, Canada, you give us know, a call. <laughs> yeah, Canada, Canada has, has really stepped up the game. And and written a lot of reviews since the last time uh, we I was up there and realized there were no there was like one I think there was one review for the Fizzle Show in iTunes but since then there's been a lot more reviews and I just want to say Canada good on you thank you the rumors are not true you're way cooler than America kind of well in some ways I like you at least yeah I married a Canadian so I get I get I get to I get to say whatever I want and everything's right all right Caleb what else you got for us. So this time it's France. France Whoa. says. Whoa. Actually, it's someone named Avon Marquis. Ooh, that is so France. Such France. Such France. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> Such France. Many Paris. <laughs> it's one thing to find her voice, but it's another one to stick to it over time. How do you manage not to deviate and get lost over time? I mean, first and foremost, I go, sometimes you have to deviate. Sometimes you learn that that, that isn't you. Or that this one, you like, because finding your voice is so much exploration, you know, and you're trying all this stuff and trying to be this guy and trying to be that girl or trying to whatever. And it, you, it takes time to realize that, oh, and that's not really me. I was trying to be something else, you know? And so the, I think the deviation is a, is a regular part of this. And when you are deviate, I mean, I don't think finding your voice, once you've found it, like, it's not something you deviate from. Caleb, Corbett, would you agree? Well, I would say it's not like an on-off switch. It's not like you search for this thing, you find it, and you have it forever. It's like an ongoing process. You're always yeah. Yeah. crafting it. You're always making it better. What I found is is for I noticed like the more the the better I get at something. Uh, like for instance, John Lee DeMoss of Entrepreneur on Fire. I called him the other day, and we were catching up, and he mentioned one little thing about how he was editing his podcast, and he would go through, and he would manually this is what by the way you guys you should know this he said that he listens when he's editing the other podcast like he's going through and he's just manually cutting out the places where that where each person isn't speaking like manually with a marquee tool selecting you know from the end of this word to the beginning of the next and pressing delete so he doesn't have to listen to it to do it what he does in the meantime is he listens to us he listens to the fizzle show he says he loves it i'm so fired up about that but i heard him talking about how he edits that and i was like oh my goodness no you need to know about it about a gate like here's this plugin you have to go get and here's how to use it here's exactly how i use it because and i was and i noticed right away the conviction that i had that he was doing it wrong and that I knew the right way, and that even if there's better ways than the way I knew, uh, this I it needed to share this. 
I think there's something about that in the finding your voice thing. The better I get at something, the more conviction I have and the less care I have about, man, maybe there are like other ways of doing it. I don't care. I'm telling you the way that that's going to work. You, you know, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense, Corbett? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I um, <laughs> for me... It, no, no. Once more with feeling, Corbett, please. <laughs> I guess. Um, my strategy, I guess it's similar, but for me, getting back to my voice, keeping my voice, is it usually relates to spending time with the people who draw the right voice out of me. You know what I mean? Spending Ooh, time talking yeah. to the people that I know I feel like I'm most effective around in terms of my communication yeah. or thinking about those people when I'm writing something or thinking about the specific audience members, people that I know who are getting a lot from what I'm writing, thinking about those specific people when I'm writing something, almost like I'm writing a letter yeah. directly to them. That's always when I get like grounded on my voice. Yeah. When I think about a yeah. big, massive audience out there of you know, kind of faceless, that's when I get kind of off and muddly, you know, muddy and, you know, watered down, that sort of stuff. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I, Stephen King, it, you know, one of, the, of America's most prolific, I, I still cringe at how creative this guy is. Yep. And how prolific, how much he's actually written and kind of freaking, freaking you know, he's a weirdo too. But, um, but he always wrote everything for one reader and it was his wife. He had one reader that he wrote everything for. That's that's exactly that's how he wrote all of his books is directly about how is she going to respond to this thing. Mm -hmm. And I took that and started doing that with uh, both Father Apprentice and Ice to the Brim back in the day. And it changed everything. I have a little picture of each of the guys that I write those two two sites for. And um, and when I write, you know, Ice to the Brim thing, like I'm writing a little like email to Willie Jackson. It's so easy for me to write. It's easy to make the stuff. It's really easy for me to get to the point of what I'm trying to say. People started reacting better because I was being a little more just myself and who I, you know, for lack of a better term, I was just, yeah, being me. Um, <clears throat> so I think you're absolutely, that's a great, that's a huge tip, Corbett. The idea of like figuring out who you're writing this thing for. And like you, what you said before that was who you're spending time with that draws that sort of out of you. It's like, it's a good metaphor. It's a, that's a, even better is if you can be with people who you realize, I'm not trying to be somebody else here. This is just me, you know? Amen. You like you liked that. I did. I, I like it. I like it too. Well, Yvonne, hopefully that gets to your question. Uh, thank you. Say hello to, to the France for us. And uh, anything else you guys want to add to France? Thanks, France. Good on you. Good on you, France. Thanks for all the... I had a, I had a day in Paris. Uh, one day. <laughs> I walked around all of Paris in one day. Uh, I feel like I, I didn't do Paris a solid. And I need to return the favor at some point. But it was a gracious and generous city to me. I was there so, for like five days and I decided to make a wedding proposal. Is that really? A, is that where you decided? Make a marriage proposal. Yep. Actually had it really? planned out ahead of time, but that's where we got engaged. Oh, okay. Oh, goodness. Goodness gracious. All right, Caleb, we got about 15 minutes here. Let's see if we can rapid fire two of these questions in sort of quick succession. Okay, perfect. So here's one from Vison Dean, I believe that's how you say his name. He's been a fizzler for a long time. He does uh, video type training online. He says, mm -hmm. I have a question in reference to building a community. Fizzle is such an awesome place that it's included in my bills next to food. As far as building a community, a membership site specifically, do you recommend the lower cost model to build more of a community, but also deal with more support? 
or the higher cost model, which is more exclusive with less support, but less community. What do you think makes sense? Or what do you think makes Fizzle unique? Because I've been a part of low cost memberships before, but nothing like Fizzle. It seems like Fizzle is what other membership sites attempt to be. What's the secret sauce? So Corbett, I think we should start with, I mean, traffic school was a high end course, but after a month or two, the community and forum there each time just kind of dissipated. Yeah. Yeah. I think mostly because the numbers weren't there when you, you know, when you start with a hundred people, it's less likely that you're going to get enough community brewing in the beginning to really keep the fire alive. Mm. I, I, you know, the other thing though, that Vassone, I think he's assuming that there's less support when you have a higher price product because there are fewer people. But I don't know that that's the case because when people pay more, they expect, they expect more. more. Yeah. Well, hold on. First of all, go back and, and tell people what traffic school was. So traffic school was um, basically a, a very in-depth course just on how to grow an audience. So we went through, um, I think there were 26 different lessons that were between a half hour and an hour each, and it was meant to take about three months to go through that, and um, really just to give people a, an entire education on what it takes to, to grow an audience and to build traffic to your site. Hmm. So you're saying that, the, you and you mentioned the cohort size in that was relatively small. It was like 100 people would get 150, in. 150, yeah. And it had, and it was like a time, like it was like six months of training or something like that, or it was like three months of training with with some okay. follow up, yeah. And so it's all, it like kind of has an expiration date on it, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, the, you could picture the community doing exactly what you guys said, like sort of fizzling out over time. Um, whereas with Fizzle, it's uh, it's constantly ongoing. I mean, we're releasing a new course and a new founder story every single month. Yep, you know, and these are things that are directly related to. The kinds of questions our our audience has about how do I do a business? So the relevant things, and you're you're kind of you like sticking around, getting that new stuff, and it's a bonus that you have all of this community stuff going on. And we built that net right next to each other for for that reason, you know. Um, but I don't know. His question makes me think of I always I always couch it the the pricing questions in terms of cars. You know, uh, do you want to make a um, do you want to make a Geo Metro? which is a lot of people can afford it. Uh, it's small and uh, it does what it, what it does. Nobody expects great, amazing things out of it, but they needed an affordable car, so they went for it. Or you can make a Toyota Camry, which is like directly like mid-tier, sort of actually really solid, good car, like really solid, like, a, like definitely bells and whistles above the Geo, but, uh, but not you know the absolute top tier, not a Mercedes or a BMW or something like that. You know, and and I feel like the the sales process, the marketing, the the product development, certainly all of these things, the price point determines a lot of what you can do with that, or and what those people are expecting. You know, right? It, it, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a whole lot of stuff involved, and in, and I think you also need to look at it on your side of the fence too, not just you know from the um, customer's perspective, but also from your perspective. What we ran into was that model of pricing something really high. You know, traffic school ended up being, I think people were paying close to $900 for it for the three months of training. And um, we ended up feeling like it just wasn't us. It didn't, it didn't work for us and what we were trying to do. And we didn't like charging a lot um, and then opening 
the doors, you know, for a week and then closing them and doing that whole launch model that seems to work really well for a lot of um, the big name, you know, gurus in the internet marketing space. We kind of tried that on for size and just found that um, it didn't feel like uh, we were able to deliver enough value to enough people in that way. A few people made really good use of it, but you know how it works with online training. Even if you're doing a really great job, only a small percentage of people are actually going to follow through and actually, you know, do everything. So with Fizzle, we just took the opposite approach. We said, let's make this thing super affordable. Let's make it really big so we can get a lot of people into it. And some people are going to get really great value out of it. And if other people check it out, they don't necessarily like it. They move on. It's not a big deal for them. They didn't blow a thousand dollars on something that they didn't use. Well, he yeah. asked what the secret sauce is. I think it's a couple things. One is there are three of us working on this thing full time, where a lot of membership sites are based on one or maybe two people. Oh yeah, and a lot of membership sites are basically. I made this stuff a while ago, and then it's still just selling the membership now. Yeah, years you know, it's later. Like, yeah, yeah. And then the other part would be that we launched it three times. We launched it in alpha when we were still building it. We launched it in beta and added a few more hundred people a month and a half later. And then we launched it public. And because we launched it so small, I mean, there was only, what, 150 people that first time and then 200 yeah. the next. Yeah. So we were super active in the forum, meeting all these people, interacting with them. A lot of them were people we already knew from previous courses or just through commenting on our blog. So I think that helped build the community and kind of the the like the guidelines or ground rules we put in place. Not that mm-hmm. they're like anything harsh, but like... You know, don't pitch your own stuff and don't put affiliate links in the forum. Just some of the basic things. And that kind of just self-policed itself as more members came in. Um, People that had been in Fizzle for a while would just kind of mention those things. Like, hey, we don't do that here. This place is a little different. That kind of thing. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's weird. I look at Fizzle and just be like, man, how how did we capture this kind of... Lightning. I feel like it's lightning in a, bo- in a bottle. I feel like it's very special because of the kind of. But there are. If I look, because why do I feel like that? Because the people in there continue to just inspire and impress me. In, in a world where it, you know, in our market where it's typically you know sleazy, whatever kind of salesy sort of stuff, you get the people who are like, "How do I make a million dollars in a, in a month?" and and yada yada yada. You can get like a lot of a bad kind of person. For some reason, our audience is really self-identified as this as the crafty crew of people who want to make things that they care about. And I feel like we created a lot of language about that that didn't exist prior to that. That a lot of people found and, and said, "Yes, that's what I, that's what I want." And that came out of directly from our search for for our our own search for meaning, right? You know, trying to figure out how to do our lives the way we wanted to do it and how we wanted to build something that that mattered. So, basic, I think because we were so invested in this personally in this this journey, you know, the this struggle of trying to find out how to do this really well, how to create a business that that A, is successful, but B, doesn't burn me out, and C, doesn't burn out my audience and take advantage of people and all that stuff. Like, that search is so close to, to my heart, and I think to your guys' heart too, that that's what comes through, this sort of heartfeltness of it, this this humanity. And that's why it says on our headline at fizzle.co is honest business training for online business builders. Because we, we felt like that was a very... That was our, you know, unique point of view on this stuff. Um, and so I think because we were bleeding our own selves out on this thing, 
it it attracted a kind of person who who uh, and not everybody, right? But it attracted that kind of person, and I feel like there's there was something special in that. But at the same time, I can't really feel like take I can't really take any credit for it. Like we just lucked out because Corbett, you had done this work for so long to build this audience on Think Traffic, and they just trusted you so much that they were jumping over one another trying to get into those alpha and beta releases and that's the those are the crews that really set the foundation and the tone for what fizzle became yeah so anyways getting back to vison's question i i feel like it's an interesting because i often still have the question on like man i kind of wish we were selling you know five thousand dollar a year thing to 20 people instead of 35 dollar a month thing to two thousand people you know uh, in some ways there's there's pros and cons the grass is always greener I think you know when you're when you're when you're in your business, you you could see the other way of doing it. And you're like, oh man, I kind of wish I could do that, because if we had 25 clients or customers paying us a lot more money, well, we can we can pick up the phone and call every one of those people, and and immediately do coaching and, and consulting and and help them with whatever they're directly struggling with. We cannot in any way, shape, or form do that for 2,000 people in an individual sort of way where you get that high touch environment. But we can. We can scale it. We could say everybody wants to know how to build their email list. Let's make a course with our best insights and education about that and hope that these 2,000 people find the kind of value that they need out of it. Yep. Right? Yep. And, so, and just one last thing. The other thing yep. that I think we did um, is that we really tried to give the charter members ownership of the community. So the whole way that we pitched Fizzle in the beginning was we're building this thing. We're not sure if the direction is exactly right, and we need your help. Um, in shaping this thing for the long term. So we set the expectation that it was going to be a long-term thing and let people sort of buy into it and feel like um, you know they were really contributing to the direction. And so those people that signed up now, what has it been, like 14 months ago, um, yeah. they're still in there and they're still a big part of it. And we're really lucky to have them. And so I think you have to build that kind of partnership with people in the beginning if you really want to plant the seeds for something that's strong. Yeah. All right, Vasone, hopefully that, that gets to your, your question. Thanks for asking. Thanks for being such a fan of Fizzle. And Caleb, let's see if we can get through uh, another one of these before time runs out. Okay, we have a question here from an iTunes comment from the UK from Olio. Oh, boy. They say, a question for you guys. I have a business idea which involves a blog, a mailing list, and an ebook product. It's a highly niche product to help people with a lot of disposable income for a specific exam. The trouble is the customer lifetime is probably only three to six months max because after that they pass the exam and don't need the product. So my question is, with only a short time to establish authority in the eyes of the customer and make the sale, what's the best strategy for driving traffic and converting? Hmm. FYI, building relationships with other bloggers and guest posting, etc. is not likely to happen in this niche because everyone's competing for the quick sale. Cheers. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I, that, that's a tough one because you know, for us, we 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 try to spend months or years building trust in a community, and the thing that we're solving, I think, ends up taking people, you know, a couple of years, and they may have tried and failed before, and then finally they find us, and it, you know, it's interesting to them. If you only have three months to sell something on to to someone, I, I'd say. Trust is going to be less of a tool for you. It's not that it isn't important, yeah. and you can do what you can, but really, you need to prove to them that your solution is right for them, that it's going to save them time and money, and that it is in some way different and better from what already exists out there if they're familiar with it. And I would say, you know, what you what you have is a tool, 
You have a utility. I don't need to trust the hammer manufacturer when I when I'm you know building a house with my hammer necessarily. I mean, if I if I bought this hammer as a tool and uh, to be useful, and then it continually like the head keeps flying off or something like that, like I'll never buy from that company again, right? But I don't also I don't have to trust my bake baker. You know, I just know that the bread's probably going to be fine. And if I come in and it's moldy and it's whatever, I take it back and I, and I want my money back and I'll probably never buy there again. So in some ways, that, that's a different kind of, it's just a utility kind of usefulness sale. But what matters is, you know, how bad is my pain? How afraid am I of this exam? Uh, exam sorry. How, how much do I want to pass it? And how much do I want to pass it with, you know, ease? Um, that's your sales tool. And it's not necessarily, I mean, obviously, everybody in every sales environment, there needs to be a little bit of trust there. Maybe not with bread, so to speak, but those are brands that you know. I mean, we're buying Dave's Killer Bread because you trust Dave, right? Even though he's, he, has a, he has a rough past. He, well, he's, he's back in jail now. He's a, he's no, a killer. He, I, was trying to, I was trying not to bring it up. Sorry. Because <laughs> I, I just like the story so much and I'm so sad he's back in jail now. The bread, though, still is so good. But, uh, but the, the truth is, they're putting those quotes up from people who have bought this thing and like, my goodness, it saved, it saved me, you know, X amount of time and, and I would, I'm so glad I did it, yada, yada, yada. There, there's your trust right there, showing how you've been, how this product has helped others before. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, pro- I mean, razors and every product on the market is one of these sort of quickie sort of things, right? It's a bummer that you don't get to build your business on something that you get to sell to a particular problem on the same person for multiple years at a time. You know, it's a bummer that you're just, I mean, every day someone's born who's going to one day try to take this test, you know, but still it's sort of a bummer business when you only get to sell that person this one time because they're never going to come back to it again. Um, maybe that's sort of a flaw in the, the choice of market, but what can you do? Right. Um, I don't know. What are you hearing, Caleb? I would say find other people that are doing really well at this thing um, on different tests or different exams that aren't the same as yours, but have a model that you could follow. Yeah. So, I mean, Pat Flynn got started doing online business at greenexamacademy.com is his site for passing the lead uh, architecture exam. Um, he does a lot on that site to show you that like, he's an authority within you know the first few page views of the site. He has... A spot for newbies to learn things so it's it's also a resource it's not just like a sales yeah. page here by my exams um he offers a lot of different things like study guides practice exams um links to like classes that people can take online like things mm. that he hasn't even made but that he can get affiliate income for yeah he has tons of testimonials um, yeah, and all that's trust building stuff right mm, you yeah. show up and you get a bunch of free things clearly this guy knows what i'm struggling with mm-hmm. clearly this guy knows about me and, and what I'm trying to do. So if he's got, if he made this thing and he, all this other stuff was so bang on, then I might, might as well buy that. You know, and it obviously depends on the price point as well. Totally. Yeah, that's a big part of it. It's like, I, I don't need a testimonial to buy a, a 25 cent pack of gum. Yeah. Um, but, no. you know, it, so it depends. I don't know what he's charging. Yeah. But, uh, okay. It's oh, like no, that's... 30 and $45. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that makes a lot of sense. 30 for just the book. 45 to have the audio too. Hmm. 
Well, I mean, I think we gave we all you know, we 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 gave you our our, our guts there, and I I mean I'm sh- you're probably aware of Pat Flynn's lead certification site, but if not, I'll put a link to that in the show notes because that's a great thing to look at and to see how he's building trust before because it, it, it's the same exact exact business model, right? Um, so hopefully that's helpful, Olio. All right, guys, uh, that wraps up our Q and A for January. You feel good about it? Pretty good. Pretty good. Only pretty good. I mean. I don't really remember the other the other questions at this point, so I can't. I, I'm going to assume that we did an okay job. You're loving the podcast, man. Exactly. <laughs> I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr, and I've been Caleb Bodrick. We'll see you there. Or we'll see you at another time. So there you have it. He's loving the podcast, man. <laughs> I like that part, Chase. It's very Yuri. Knock it off. Our thanks to Jeff, Kiri, Jackie, Avon, Vasone, and Olio for your questions. We love hearing from you guys. Uh, and you can ask your questions just like they did. Uh, we'll do our darndest to answer it on the air. You can just head over to fizzleshow.co slash ask. That's A-S-K. For notes and links about this show, head to fizzleshow.co slash 39. F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 39. Listen. If, uh, if you haven't been on the blog, you're, you're sort of missing out on a whole other side of things. You missed the January Roundup post where we put all the first-time product stories from successful founders on one page. You get to, you know, like, like we've done on the show here, you get to hear every one of their stories, how they made their first product, uh, their lesson learned, what they wish they would have known, their best advice. And I've even like taken made bullet points of the best bits of each one. It's all on one page. Uh, you've got to get on this stuff. Don't miss this stuff, people. So sign up for the free Sparkline weekly email series, and you won't miss a thing. Links to the, to the, to the email series, links to the, the January Roundup post, all there on fizzleshow.co slash 39. Working hard to give you this stuff. You know, Put it together. Put it in your hands. I had a blast putting together this product series for January. All those, all those interviews, talking to all those people, putting them all together, bullet pointing, whatever, doing all the work. It was a lot of work. And if you liked it, it would mean so much to me personally if you would just open up iTunes and leave us a review for this podcast. Tell us your favorite inside joke. Make up a host intro of your own. A lot of people are doing that. It's, it, we, lo- we read every single one and we love it. And it helps other people find the show. So if you like the work we did this month, getting those interviews together and doing all that stuff encouraging you please leave us an honest rating on itunes it's all we ask folks it's the end of january all right it's that's over it's done this is the last podcast of january so that so hey good morning 2014 it's already been a month right and all next month we've got a big plan for for talking about money exposing you to tools ideas and people that are thinking about money Okay, mistakes, emotions, the mindset of money, things to buy and things not to buy for your business. We got a really good month lined up for you there. So find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. And remember, you're not alone. And even though I say you know what I mean too much, and I hear it in every comment and review and email, I still like you. And I'm still asking, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks. And talk to you next Fizzle Friday. Bye-bye, guys. Yuri! Ah, come on. Let's hang out.